Welcome back to another episode of the Deductionist Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in for our very special guest this week. I, uh, I am suffering myself in silence alone, flying solo without Adam, as he is uh, He's far too interested in his sleep pattern, and I am not. I am much more interested in speaking to our very special guest. You know him from the uh, virtually legendary podcast that is the Magnetic Memory Podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give yourselves a warm welcome to Mr. Anthony Mativier. How are you, sir? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Now, the uh, the most people will know of you from the uh, the the podcasts, the YouTube channel. Uh, and and the books that go alongside of your you know your career and your uh, your knowledge in this area, but you know if if we look at this in in terms of ex exactly uh, what you are, you're a memory expert, right? So uh, I suppose what I would like to just dive straight into uh, immediately, if if that's okay, is why memory methods? Why why are they such uh, an important facet in your life? Well, that's a great question. And why is so multifaceted? I mean, there's the technical scientific reason, there's the personal story reason, and that's usually where we start, right? And then yeah. on, the, on the, the podcast, we say the story about when, you know, the bad thing happened. And then that's when it came, became the savior sort of thing, which is exactly what happened to me. Uh, I was in grad school, very depressed, clinically depressed, life in danger levels of depression and you know with reference to your name and cards all the cards <laughs> there was some street magicians that i ran into inside of the deepest darkest winter i remember at york university because there's a place and you know place is very important to us uh called york lanes in uh, york university and it's meant to sort of look like an outside street maybe you know, in a fantasy Manhattan, maybe Brooklyn neighborhood. And, you know, there's like fake trees in there and the skylights. So you get sort of a sun feeling even in winter. And these kids are doing street magic. And this is, you know, when David Blaine is first appearing on the scene and around the time of YouTube and so forth. Yeah. Anyway, I'm super depressed. I got to school that day instead of jumping off the bridge and I couldn't pay attention to a sentence, let alone pages and pages of voluminous text filled with rich terminology like architectonic tautology and constructio pregnans, which sometimes can be pregnans constructio. And I'm just like, I can't even pay attention to the first word on this page. And anyway, these magicians come, he does this amazing trick and something triggers in me. I remember that I used to love magic tricks when I was a kid. So I grabbed the deck and you know, I'll spare you the evil machinations, but I did something to the deck that he didn't see coming and uh, blew him away. And I just thought, uh, wow, this is cool magic. <laughs> and so I got home, YouTube was a new thing. Long story short, I find the holy grail of magic, which is uh, any card at any number. Uh, oh, yes. And I start researching this, like how, how are the different ways to do this? And, and there's, you know, memory techniques that you could use for certain versions. And I just thought, I can't memorize a deck of cards. I don't even, you know, I don't even know how to pay attention to a sentence. And uh, I gave it a try anyway. And the next thing you know, I wasn't so depressed anymore. My focus was on 
doing this and magic. It just seemed like a, a way in life that if I couldn't pass these exams, I could at least become a street magician. This became this image in my mind. And I started to think of that as the emergency paycheck. And I needed one because for some reason there was a government uh, mistake and they sent me this letter saying that my student loans were coming due years in advance. And I'm uh, just like adding to the pressure sort of thing. So I was thinking of every possible way to get uh, some funds going. Anyway, I, I managed to memorize the deck of cards and I just thought instantly, if I can do that, I can take every weird, strange term and the biblical Hebrew that I was gonna be responsible for and like all this stuff. I just thought I can get it onto cards. I can get it into my mind. And I didn't know this for many years, uh, but it turns out that, I mean, I knew it immediately. I started to feel better, but I didn't know for many years that actually there's research that has been done into method of loci as a way of helping relieve things like depression, PTSD, and so forth, because I did start to feel better. It didn't cure the depression. Uh, it still hasn't cured the depression, but I, I had, I thought I always put it down to greater confidence, but there seems to be other levels of relief, which may come down to things like dopamine that increases in the brain. Uh, myelin would start to increase, uh, possibly norepinephrine, etc. All of these chemicals that you know might just make you feel better, even if you still have challenges. So anyway, long story short, I got my PhD, and uh, <laughs> luckily enough, I got it so well that I uh, got a, a grant, and I, I was it was a Mercator, which is a big thing from the the Deutsche Forschungsgemeinschaft in Germany. And so I went off to Germany, and then I memory methods. Why memory methods? Well, I learned German fast enough that by the end of that first year, I was giving lectures in German. So wow. that was uh, pretty cool. And so it made me feel better. That's why, and it let me accomplish goals that seemed super impossible. That's why, and um, also they're just fun, <laughs> as I'm sure right. you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's that's one of the more um, salient points that, that you've struck across with the with the whole memory method uh, way of life, um, I, I suppose yeah. might be the best way to put it is that if I can do this, why can't I do this? And if I can do this, why can't I do this? So much of, uh, well, at least from what I encounter is uh, the number of people going, I could never do this. And I could right. never do this. I uh, I, I come from a, a, a magic and performance background myself, uh, specifically right. in the terms of mentalism. So that you know the Burglass effect is something <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, very, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very familiar with. Um, and you would find that uh, a lot of the the uh, the selling points uh, of some of the uh, the magic tricks would be no memory work, no this, no this, no this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to which my response would be like, so what's the point in me showing this to them? What am I supposed to be demonstrating? You know, well, Burglis is great. I mean, he wrote a great book on memory, um, A Question yeah. of Memory, I believe it's called. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. There's a, there's a kind of strange hatred in the memory world for mnemonics, especially with, with cards. And I won't name him, but because he's a great magician, but I was shocked that he, uh, at a lecture I attended, I asked him about the memory thing because he does memdex stuff. Mm. And he's like, I hate mnemonics. I would never recommend it to anybody. And uh, yada, yada, yada. And I was just blown away. And, you know, maybe I should name this guy and out him, but there's one guy in particular who used to work for Harry Lorraine, who used to yeah. teach Harry's courses. And he has said in one of his magic lectures, 
he after he forgets the name of a participant he tells this joke about how like he, he never even knew the, the memory techniques and already harry had him teaching the course and it's just like how, how is this happening <laughs> so <laughs> you can only laugh but uh yeah odd things are uh, happening in the magic world but you know magicians we, we know this we're we're strange creatures <laughs> of, of course of course absolutely you know we um we 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 walk that way of life um more so than anything looking at the uh the uh the neuroscientific you know kind of benefits of the uh of the memory way of life you're a particular fan of the uh the meditative practices mm. surrounding yes. uh, the development of uh your memory uh, and the benefits that that can have for yourself where do you where do you strike the difference between and let me let me backtrack again. Where do you strike the difference, if there even is one, um, in terms of memorizing something versus applying, you know, meditative techniques? Do they fall into one and the same kind of zone and error for yourself? How do you how do you feel about that? With backward rationalization, yes, I think they do, and this may be part of the benefits that people are seeing particular the the doctor the guy the doctor is dr tim dalglish and he's an et al so i just know his name but he has many people and many studies on this and uh, there there are other studies in for example in chemo brain uh, th uh research they've done they've used method of loci to help people with chemo brain have you know greater clarity and so forth so it's not just about meditation or or this that and the other thing or feeling better for ptsd uh it's th there's a lot of stuff that really points at all the same thing. So I think with backward rationalization, part of what was happening is I was meditating while yeah. encoding and decoding. Yeah. And then I don't know why that it took me so long to put the two together, but it was luck. And partly it's my own arrogance, right? Because I had always done a particular kind of meditation and I poo-pooed all the chanting and all this stuff and yoga. And I just thought, there's no way that I'm going to sit there and do magic words. Uh, like it just doesn't make any sense to me, but it turns out that actually the magic words, so to speak, I'll never forget some guy on my TEDx saying, Oh yeah, great magic Sanskrit, you know? <laughs> and then I just thought, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Why? Because not only are you using your memory, you're exercising procedural memory. You're getting all the exercise of episodic memory and figural memory and autobiographical memory and yada, 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 all of the special terms. But you're also focusing on sound and meaning coming together, but meaning of a particular kind, which is in this case, the neutralization of any fantasy or strange, painful certainty that you're creating in yourself that things that aren't real have some sort of consequence, which we do to ourselves, right? And it's just like, blah, 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 I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, none of which is actually happening or relevant at that moment. And here you have content, semantic content that you can just whip out at any second. And because you've memorized it, you've come to understand it a heck of a lot better. And then boom, those annoying thoughts are gone, just like that on demand. And so the procedural memory training is especially beneficial because, you know, life is what it is. And I don't really believe in such a thing as enlightenment. So, you know, stuff keeps happening. <laughs> the fit keeps hitting the shan. And uh, I, I have to, um, 
<laughs> I don't have to. That's the magic. I don't have to do anything because I've so trained procedurally that it's just like, are these thoughts useful? How do they behave? I say it in Sanskrit version, but you know, it's just, it just comes now automatically. And life is so much more peaceful. I think of it as cruising altitude. Here comes the turbulence and then just back. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you tend to see that um, a, a number of people can become so easily overwhelmed by the avalanche of information that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Where am I going? What am I doing? Who am I talking to in this meeting? What am I talking to them about? What does my kid want for a birthday present? Ah! And it leads yeah. to that, you know, virtual uh, fatigue, you know, which is why it's it's so important to highlight not only just the benefits of, of memory methods in terms of self-improvement, but in terms of how you're able to manage your day-to-day -day from a mental health perspective. I think that's, I think that's such an important factor of, of memory work to, uh, to highlight. Um, yeah. But moving on from that, you know, it, it, I, I kind of want to pick your brain about an own per, my own personal frustration that I have about the 21st century, which <laughs> yeah, is please. the, uh, which is the, uh, you, you know, the, this, fiery need to to write things down to make notes to add a reminder to ask alexa to do it for me to any number of the technological things that we you know we uh, we have out there and i believe um it, i think it was uh, socrates that that spoke about the uh, writing being the death of cognition and it, we are imbuing ourselves with the uh, the need to forget by writing things down um how how much of a uh, uh, a benefit or indeed a curse uh, could this kind of reflexive behavior be mm. for before our own memories and what do you think about that as a concept you know speaking of socrates i think he, he also said when he was asked you know hey how is it like living in athens and he said what's it like where you live and the person said oh it's terrible and he said yeah athens is like that as well and uh, you know because they gave this list oh everybody's loud everybody's noisy they're always throwing their garbage in the streets blah 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 next person comes and says to socrates hey i'm thinking of moving to athens what's it like here and he says well what's it like where you come from oh it's great people are nice they help each other out you know etc he said yeah athens is like that too so i think that we can do this uh, we can say well, my life is so filled with clutter. I've got a thousand notifications and it's just, you know, uh, I, I don't even know how to track my own notifications because I've got them coming in from five different devices. Or you can say, look, there's all these devices. I focused on getting good with one and I corral all the people to use my stuff as much as possible so that I don't get uh, bombarded by all this. And then just craft the mental attitude that this is the world. I'm not going to change it. This three pound brain isn't going to somehow, you know, make it be the way I want it to be because I still think there is an I in there, <laughs> which is, you know, woe to you. But um, the, uh, you know, the better thing would be to say is what is it that I can do to maximize this with as little judgment as possible mm. while also using good judgment and discernment to craft the best possible path for myself, knowing that there are risks and dangers. But there were risks and dangers back when you used to have your phone numbers, you know, in, in yeah. the back of a, a notebook or whatever. You could lose it. Maybe you memorized it all, but you got one digit wrong and you're not going to be able to get through to that person. So I can go either way. 
Uh, and I, I think it's up to the individual to sort of sort that out for themselves. And if they have a moral compass, then, you know, I think just logic would guide you to try to do the best with reference to some kind of mental image of who you want to be, what you want to stand for in this constant noise and not romanticize the past because I don't think it was that much quieter. We tend to think it's changed more than it has. And we tend to think that the speed has gotten faster uh, when I'm not, I'm not as convinced as others that that is that different. Uh, but I am a quirky individual who, you know, <laughs> crafted my life to be as unimpeded by this stuff as possible so i may not have the highest possible empathy i don't know what do you think does that sound like a i'm no. out to lunch or <laughs> no no absolutely i i, th I think you, the uh, the acknowledgement that the, there are two types of problems in the world right you know things you can solve and things you can't and what why would you worry about right. either of them you know, uh, that, yes, that's, that, it, that's, that's what I, uh, it, you know, it, it is a personal frustration, but I, that only comes from my, uh, I, I imagine much like, your, you know, yourself with the, the, an obsession with the benefits of memory work uh, in that yeah. if, write it down if you want, but understand that you have the capacity to keep it there for, for mental health reasons or not, you know, that kind of um, as, you, as you said, you know, cruising altitude, that kind of comfort that you have that, yeah, I could write it down, but ultimately it's in my head anyway. That's there as a backup, as opposed to thinking yeah. that's there as the, uh, you know, my uh, my primary functions, you know, that's there to right. do my thinking for me almost. Um, I apologize. I may have, I may have, I think I misunderstood the thrust of your question. Um, ah. in, in that sense, yeah, I think, you know, take every opportunity to use your mind and your skill. And I, I just, I don't personally find anything wrong with taking a note to back mm. something up if that I want to. Uh, but it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing because imagine, for example, I was having a, a, a conversation with a guy named Martin the other day. Yeah. And, you know, he, we were talking about different places that I might want to live because we're moving soon. And he just mentioned off the, and rattled off this list of, of neighborhoods. And then he pulls open his device and he wants to show me all of these uh, mountains yeah. and uh, like little artsy villages and so forth. And I'm thinking, you know, do I want to sit here and encode while I'm going through all this list yeah. and put myself under the pressure of all this when I can just, I, I actually wrote down a couple of the names of the neighborhoods to mm. keep focused and so forth and actually look at is look at the pictures because I, you know, you can cross track and still memorize the names as you go, mm. but it's, it's starting to go so fast and so forth that, that you know, just, I wrote down a few things in my notebook yeah. and uh, it's also for the benefit of my wife later as well, because I can hand her the list and say, Hey, check out these neighborhoods, Martin mentioned, etc. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know, but every opportunity I can, I do work on encoding things. And I, I meet with people uh, as, you know, individual clients and so forth. Mm. And they're always quite delighted because I'm obviously not writing stuff down while we're yeah. talking and yeah. I, I will tell them. So, you know, you mentioned your friend, Carrie, and, you know, you had a, a teacher named Igor, et cetera. And, you know, they're just like blown away that I'm encoding the stuff that they're talking about as they go. So I, I just, 
pick my battles basically and just kind of don't i don't i don't have any any uh problem writing down notes um because and the other thing too that, that i i consider is if you don't keep a record of stuff then how will you test your accuracy okay Valid. so oh. i i i know some people who uh, use memory techniques and so forth, and they will recite back st stuff back to me, and they'll say 1989 when actually it was 1987, and they'll say, "No, I'm sure it was, and I'm the one who wrote it down." You know, and so uh, like uh, it's who's going to win? You know, absolutely <laughs> finding the, finding the balance. You know, Prior yeah. prioritizing the need in that particular moment, which is uh, uh, a, a, a lovely segue into. Um, the, the discussion of applications towards the everyday uh, need and purpose and use for, for techniques yeah. like this. Now, depending upon the particular lifestyle that you lead, there, there would obviously be more chances for you to uh, apply this than others, right? It's, it's very uh, person dependent. Uh, like right. for, for, for me and my background, I'm very, very used to memorizing names, what they conversation content how they move why they move what they're wearing license you know situational awareness and the like and it, and it keeps going on but for you know somebody else it might be just as important for uh you know names of people in the office but figures business patterns what what you did last quarter you know i'm, I'm yeah, clearly yeah. not i'm clearly not a businessman so i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fishing in the wind here um so in terms of the more um, applicable topics for quite possibly a, a blanket use right the way across people. What, what kind of aspects have you found have been the most beneficial to apply a memory method to? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I think if, if anything is universal, it's the memory palace or method of loci with major system or some kind of variant on the, on the major. Um, I mean, we can go back to the Katabayadi in ancient <laughs> India. I mean, the, the, the stuff has been around for a long time. Uh, oh, yeah. So space plus numbers, basically. And the great thing about a major is that it's also just names, right? Mm -hmm. Because every number is a name. So you can, you, you know, you could take your name and turn it into, into a number, right? 92, yeah. you, you'd be a great, uh, a great <laughs> Uh, 92, um, whatever. Uh, so those two things, when they are matched together, you're pretty good to go. The third thing, because there's always got to be a three in the rule of threes, um, is the recall techniques, right? So if you've got a good, what I call recall rehearsal, then, then you're golden uh, because those three things together are the superpower. And that would apply whether it's quarterly business reports or, uh, you know, if you're, detecting a person and you, you, you have to maintain contact and so forth. Mm. Uh, you know, I used to be a store detective, so we had to maintain contact and it was, it was like aisle two, aisle three. And then, yeah. you know, we lost them on aisle four or whatever, but the eye in the sky got them. And then we got them back on aisle five and like remembering that stuff was important. Yeah. Uh, but that comes back to the taking notes things, right? Like yeah. if you are actually doing detection and so forth, you have a legal obligation to keep very good notes. And that comes down to, things that are presented in court that make a huge difference 
when it comes down to decisions and even sentencing decisions and so forth. Like, um, this is this is your duty to not only be able to remember it but also record it correctly. Um, so, I, I don't know if, if if much of your audience is is also in those realms, but I would I would get those three systems going, and then use them to make sure that your notation is solid as solid as possible and matches and is consistent brilliant uh, brilliant brilliant what 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 would you find is the best way to test your accuracy and your recall with with the everyday uh, and the and these kinds of things then well i'm not sure there is a best way to do anything but there are optimal sorts of things and the optimal starts with some self analysis and say what is it that i need to do and right. then what would be the thing that tests that so, uh, for example, you could go throughout a day and make it my meeting people day. And let's say you want to do it without notes. Then you go and you say, okay, here's Jane, here's Sally, here's you know, John, Ruby, etc." And then you go the next day and you just say, hey, was your name Sally? Was your name Ruby, etc." And if you get it right, then you get it right. And if you don't, yeah, you know, well, I would do it on the low key if I was yeah. starting and I had a, a particular fear. So you could just go throughout, you could do a coffee dip uh, morning or whatever, go to a couple of cafes, just read the name tags, then go back and then you can confirm for yourself. I would write them down later so that, yeah. you know, you, you can uh, test during the day. And then the next day you go and you just notice the name. And if it's the same, great, it's a win. But obviously, you want to think in terms of testing in terms of the nature of recall because there's a difference between your writing things down and you're verbalizing something and you're going to get more benefits from doing it in multiple ways and then you know the, the ultimate test would be if you're say a business person or you have to go to business meetings even if you're just a you know in a in a secretarial function or something like this you can go to these meetings and as people are introducing themselves you can memorize all those names and there's going to be a way you could get all the business cards and test yourself later privately or you can you know if you have the wherewithal if you're ready to do it and i've done this lots of times and it's a lot of fun is you can just say hey i want to see if i remembered all your names and there's youtube videos where you can see people doing this and everyone's like always blown away where they're just like boop, 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 boop. if you if you're ready to do that you can do that and you'll learn a lot from it as well um especially pronunciation oh my god <laughs> uh, so, so, that's a way to test, but I would always just think, what is it that I want to improve on? And then what are the tests that are gonna work for me? And then it's just standard. It's either gonna be words, which names are part of, or it's gonna be numbers, which are essentially words, um, or it might be figural things. Like for if you're in any kind of detection area, uh, it might be very useful to study abstract images. And then there are softwares that can help you test your abstract image um, recall. Uh, yeah, so those are some ideas. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you very much for that, sir. Um, now th that was um, that was a a, a, re a real kind of whistle stop tour of, of of beneficial memory methods. So you know, in terms of you know the the loci, for example, the major systems and the like. So I'm I'm trying to imagine this from um, a, a complete novice. You know, somebody who's immediately decided for whatever reason. I want to improve my memory. Yeah. Uh, other yeah, than yeah. obviously uh, going for a swim in the in the world of the magnetic memory podcast and the like, and your and your incredible book, which we shall come to shortly. 
Um, <laughs> what, what would your what would your advice be to somebody that's gone? I would like to improve my memory. What should I do? Well, the first thing you should do is understand you're not a novice. It's not possible. Everybody has been doing this all their lives. They're just not doing it strategically. So our brains are association machines. We associate things spatially all the time. I mean, just think about the last time you moved. Did you have to memorize your house? No, you probably just kind of figured it out on autopilot. It wouldn't take you long to find your way back to the fridge, right? So you've been doing this your whole life. And you know, when you, th you, you see a movie or a book that you want or whatever, like your brain is doing this and it's like, oh, that's like this, or that's another David Lynch movie. You know, like it already is like preloaded, pre-configured to connect things because you know what something is that you love. So there, I don't believe that there are novices. What the problem is, is that a lot of people are new to the idea of mental Lego or alphabetical association at the granular level of B equals B and Ben is big Ben uh, or, you know, Ben Affleck or whatever it is. Right. Um, they're not used to like B equals B and B E equals B E and even B E N equals B E E because B E N because we could have Benedict, uh, you know, what is his name? Cumberbund or Cumberbunch, Cumberbitch, <laughs> Cumberbatch. <laughs> this, this is a, this is another odd sort of topic is you can sometimes not even remember the names of the people, but still use them as your tools. Right. But anyway, the thing is we're talking about, just so people know, if they don't know this, I'm talking about single alphabet association, double alphabet association, triple alphabet association. Uh, and so some people who really get into this, that's essentially what this art is. This yeah. art is having deep familiarity at the alphabetical, I would call it the alphabetical level and mm -hmm. finding matches that make sense or even sometimes don't make sense, but get you there. Uh, nonetheless, even if you you know can't even complete a name, which often happens. I had a thing today. I can't believe it. I was making a video and I was talking about Pill. I think it's called Public Image Limited, which was a, a Johnny Rotten project, I believe. And then I was like, you know, Johnny Rotten, he was in that band, and I was looking for the Sex Pistols. And for some, like this is this is actually one of those great mysteries. But for like three minutes, I can't find my way back to the Sex Pistols. So, and I'm teaching here. And so I just go, look, here's the thing. You just got to let it go. It'll come back. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, like five minutes later, I was like, sex pistols. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like weird things like that. And that's another skill yeah. is the, that the novice, so-called novice needs to learn is you will get tripped up. You will make mistakes. And then you got to be able to be like the samurai who's able to execute any last move, even with your head cut off. Just keep going, keep moving, because it's the movement itself that will get you back to where you needed to be. So- all of which is to say, learn the memory palace, learn something like the major for numbers, and then just get started and think about a goal. I think, you know, maybe you have a different opinion and I'd love to hear it, but the thing that just makes me so irritated in a, I hope a virtuous and charming way is uh, when these memory trainings are like, okay, guys, now it's time to memorize a shopping list and it'll be, or it'll be random words, chicken, eraser, you know, no, please don't just think what would be, and if you're going to do a shopping list, what would it be in the language that you want to learn? So that when you're practicing, you're practicing with something that gives you a bigger boost of victory. It's not just like, yeah, I can recite random words that have no value to me. 
yay, here's the world's <laughs> biggest, smallest violin, you know, <laughs> celebrating. No, it's like now I can say 10 grocery items in Spanish. Yeah. You know, that is the kind of thing I would suggest to the, to the individual. Skip the exercise in whatever book you're looking at if it doesn't make any sense to you, which it probably won't because it's just random stuff and replace it with something ideally immediately useful to know yeah. and practice with that instead. Now, I know that I maybe overdo that a little bit because there's obviously value in practicing memorizing anything. But I think in the beginning, you get a bigger rush and it makes more sense to you when you're just like, wow, like I'm a magician, or at least I recovered my ma magical interests very quickly there. Mm. And I had done magic tricks for quite some time when I was a kid. It was immediately useful to me to memorize a deck of cards. Now that was just dumb luck, but I can you know reverse engineer that and say, get more of that dumb luck in your life. Just engineer it in. Pick something that's meaningful. Absolutely, and, and, and immediate applicability, I think, is such a is is a cool thing to cool thing to have. I, I've 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 done the shopping list in, in terms of teaching, but um, I, I would always I, I would never start with ten. I would I would always start with something like thirty or forty. Um, right. just, <laughs> just to show that you have this, um, this, this kind of immediate power that you can apply to uh, as, as many things as you like, because most of the people that I've come across are so daunted by volume, uh, first of right. all. So I, I find yes. that that's, that's, that's a nice bubble to burst, but in terms of, um, finding your why almost like mm. you want to improve your memory, but why understanding that. Um, I, I, yeah, is is going to be very beneficial in terms of keeping you going, keeping you, um, keeping you on point, keeping you applying this to your uh, to your everyday kind of situations and whatnot. The um the the thing that comes out of your work is that um that there's none of this uh, well at, at least not not as a focus uh, and do do correct me if I'm wrong please uh, but there is uh, there's not so much a, a focus in terms of um competition diligence so it's not three or four hundred names and faces in 15 minutes 20 or 30 decks of cards you know and anything else this is how can i use all of these methods to apply to me in the life that i lead so there's there's language learning approaches which i'd love to talk about in a second because I'm, I'm on a i'm on a big language kick myself um at yes. the minute uh, in terms of uh, names and faces but even something as simple as where the hell are my keys yes you know? yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that those those kind of notions so how how do you start to change these techniques that most people think are for all of this kind of avalanche of two two-dimensional information and how do you start changing these up to apply it to your everyday yeah. life yeah, it's a tough one uh, because I have absolute admiration and respect for the memory competitors. 100%. The, the thing is, though, is that at the same time, I find it very scary because so many people take away strange ideas from that. Yeah. And the, although the techniques are cousins or in some senses, yeah. No, they're not identical, actually, uh, because they don't have the recall rehearsal at all. And then they don't have all the things that go into that in order to really help you go through and say, like, how did I memorize this? What did I memorize here? And so forth. And give yourself multiple hooks in order to, to start generating long-term memorization. So there's no long-term memorization focus at all. Um, although in some Guinness World Record 
things. There is, you know, a week later testing or whatever for volumes yeah. of playing cards and so forth. So that's um, in the mix. But overall, I, I'm quite concerned about that because people mm. then think that, oh, I put it in a memory palace, I got it forever. Well, yeah. no, no, and a thousand times no, because that's the memory palace is the way that you get it into long-term memory, not some strange, I must go to my mind palace, you know, thing <laughs> and, and find, <laughs> find this uh, material. No, you just want it there. So uh, that's a, a, of a deep concern for me. And the other thing is, is I've, I've gone to compete once and it was a great mm. experience and I learned a lot, but I also honestly find it just strangely boring at the same time like the, i was just glad that it happened and i did it for charity which uh, i hope at one oh, point to do you. again because i think it's i think it's the the reason to do yeah. <laughs> competition if any but um so i mean i'm trying to, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm saying three things at once one is that <laughs> it's got a valuable thing in the world but it's it's like weightlifting you know weightlifters are not necessarily healthy and I've noticed over the years, and I you know, wouldn't name any names, but I've heard stories. I don't even know if they're true. So let's put that on, there, on the table. <laughs> but I have heard stories of people who had won competitions and then they could never win again. And then they you know, basically spend their careers uh, drinking themselves into, into a rut because you know, that their lives were pinned to this identity of the weightlifter who you know, dropped a weight on his foot one year and never got back into it. I don't know uh, if that's true or not, but you can see that kind of uh, issue. It, it, it's not necessarily a healthy thing to be so obsessive that you can memorize all this stuff and then can't use it to get a job or yeah. can't use it to be successful in a, in a vocation. Yeah. Because how would you? I mean, if you just memorize stuff to forget it, that's kind of strange and counter <laughs> counterproductive in some sense and, and along these lines i'm actually i and i'm a great admirer of tony buzan and uh, the other people that have been involved in the memory competitions and i want to think about what's the alternative to this that still has a bit of that competition i'm working on it now looking into the legal aspects of it and what is missing from the competition well one thing that's missing is there isn't diversity of things like language learning and so how could i put that in there and it's a great mind exercise because one of the reasons why language learning isn't in there is because some people would have the advantage because uh, uh, they would just know that language, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think I've got a solution for that. Uh, we'll see. Honestly, I don't even know if I want to get into it because competition sort of uh, attracts certain kinds of people that I don't, or politics, even if it isn't kinds of people, it's kinds of politics that I don't necessarily want to deal with. Anyway, uh, I think that there's speech giving that's missing in terms of not only can you memorize a speech, but can you write one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, can you write one that's so good that it contributes to the world? And then you could potentially win this competition based on your thematic contribution, even if you stumbled on names and numbers and all that sort of stuff. And then I would really scale down the volume, right? Because yeah. I'd be much more concerned that more people could score well in 22 digits and, 15 names, then I would be worried about the guy who can, you know, take on the Mount Everest of Pi and be like, yeah, I got 5,000 digits, but um, couldn't write a speech to save my life. You know, couldn't give a wedding toast if you had a gun to my head. Like, I'm just not interested in that. I think that that is, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. And I, again, with all respect to the people who've mm. done so much, 
I think that there's got to be an alternative, at least not necessarily a, a, a replacement, but yeah. an alternative for people who might want a more rounded humanities sort of uh, focus on that. So that's part of my thinking there. And, you know, the other angle is that not only do I find it personally boring to train, to be able to memorize thousands of digits and so forth and see no personal uh, use for that. I want knowledge. I want, mm. I, I, without getting into the, the Faust syndrome where I sell my soul to the devil uh, because, you know, I, I'm too lazy to read books. I want to read books, you know, uh, or more books, I should say, because Faust had read a lot of books, <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I, I don't want to cheat. I love the, I love the, the depth and the integration with the material. I, I, I just, I, I want to be able to remember what I read. I want to be able to remember the connections between things and constantly create a bigger solar system in my mind. Because every new piece of information is like that little dust that if it spins in just the right way, will eventually turn into a planet. Yeah. And it may even become a sun that has its own solar system surrounding it. And then on each of those planets, they will evolve continents. And in those continents, maybe some countries will start to appear. And in those countries will start to appear some cities. And in those cities will be neighborhoods. And inside of those neighborhoods, there will be special little streets that are just unique amongst themselves. And then there will be little houses. And inside of there, there will be families. And inside of those families will be mines. And inside of those mines will be planets and stars and solar systems. And, you know, you just go infinitely into this. That's what I want. And who has time to, you know, bench press 52 oh. decks of cards when I can practice with 13 cards a day and just yeah. feel happy as peaches that I gave my mind a little bit of exercise and uh, then spend the rest of the time, you know, reading and encoding and recalling what I read. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of where your priorities lie. You know, like if um, you, you look at the uh, the fitness example, there, there are there are bodybuilders, weightlifters that can pick up like three, four hundred pounds of weight, which might seem spectacular. But, you know, some of them struggle to get out of a chair yep. and their hearts explode. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's a local guy here who's who's admittedly um, he's he's changed his training at the minute. He was world's strongest man. He's Eddie Hall. Um, a remarkable character uh, in terms of his diligence, but how he managed to pick up that half a ton of weight, first of all, which is like 500 kilograms, hell of a weight. But the, yeah. the, the visual damage it did to himself, his nose was bleeding at the time he passed out. There was doctors and all sorts um, afterwards, if you watch some of the documentaries about him. So it, in, in terms of the applicability of being able to do that, towards the you know the benefit of your life uh, maybe maybe one far outweighs the other there um yeah but yeah Absolutely. and those are interesting character studies i mean we all have some extreme kind of aspect to our character and part yeah. of life is how do we balance that out how how could we avoid and not, not that we'd have to avoid being eddie hall i think he said his name was we, yeah. we don't necessarily have to avoid you know being this or that person but when we take those mental models as signposts or potential warnings of damage we don't want to do to ourselves because we do all have obsessions i mean i'm obsessed with certain things but you know how can i temper it how can i focus it how can i how can i 
it's like the, the, the anti-inspiration list as opposed to, you know, oh, I, I want to be like this person, which I could never be anyway, um, because we already have those people. You could have the anti list and you just say, uh, those are the people I want to avoid. And I, I think that th th those sorts of stories, like you mentioned, are very impactful if we pay attention to them and avoid uh, negative outcomes. Uh, because, you know, we can actually pivot more than it seems towards greater and greater good uh, and, and just save ourselves from so, so much pain. Because the thing is, with this guy, Eddie Hall or whatever, that's a exterior visual example of the pain and misery that a lot of people are putting themselves in their own minds. You know, we just don't see it. So uh, those kinds of examples can be useful when you think about the psychology. That's what I'm trying to get at is, you know, mm. uh, what is the psychology that drives that? And how could we use some insight about that to avoid similar outcomes, even if they're just on the inside? Absolutely. Absolute longevity, you know, uh, benefits, happiness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even though, you know, uh, I think it was it Buddhism that they, they spoke about life as suffering yeah i don't think it's exclusive to them that observation but we often uh, we often put it in their corner <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh now <laughs> languages um yes I, I think as uh as as an english person member of the uh the english culture we are notorious for being uh terrible uh, at language learning or at least unwilling to try um right now, now i i suppose what i would i would i would encourage you uh, to talk to us about first of all is in terms of the benefits uh, that language learning can have because uh, at least for me uh in in terms of uh, a communication aspect uh, being able to to speak to others from different backgrounds, cultures, ways of life, different cities, foods, likes, dislikes, yeah, it, it, this type of thing. If I can understand a little bit more about you, then this is sure, information sure. that I can use to help shape what it is that I do. But for yourself, what, why sure. why language learning? Why is that? Why is that so cool? Oh, it's cool for lots of reasons. I mean, for one thing, I think that anybody who says that they are comfortable being a monoglot is probably lying to themselves. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but you know, who doesn't have the fantasy of being able to speak every language in the world? I remember when I was a kid reading Piers Anthony, I think it was called On a Pale Horse, where the hero, he, he kills death. And then the first thing that happens is he has to take on the role of death and uh, death happens to have this cool little earring <laughs> that translates all the languages for him. And I was, a, I was a, maybe nine or something. I'm reading this book and I'm just thinking, oh, that'd be awesome just to be able to understand all the languages. And so, of course, he didn't have to learn them, but he did have to be deaf <laughs> in order to do this. Um, but I, I, I would just encourage people to maybe get at, get at their inner psychology and, you know, think about a longing that they probably have that, it would be so sad to go unfulfilled without, without at least one other language. And if you are that person who's, oh, I'm totally comfortable, then, you know, I'd love to know more about how that is mm. possible. <laughs> I don't doubt that it's possible, but it seems a bit uh, strange to me. That said, you know, is it really a requirement to know any language? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want to essentialize linguistic uh, skill as, you know, somehow a requirement of, of the good life. But let's just say, uh, 
say this. I think that we have language. It's mm. it's in our society. It has bifurcated and trifurcated and it's all over the place. And so language as such is its own beautiful topic, linguistics, let's call it. And then if you really want to learn, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever memorized the exact line, but I think it's in Star Trek VI where the Klingon bad guy says, you know, you haven't even understood Shakespeare until you've read him in the original Klingon. And that line came to mind after I read my first Shakespeare play in German. And uh, I just thought, yes, that makes sense. Because in German, uh, in Hamlet, he, is it Hamlet? Uh, Ausnichts, no, it's King Lear. Ausnichts can nichts entspringen. And so that means, you know, from nothing can nothing, yeah. I don't even know what the English is, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever it is in Shakespeare, he says, you know, from nothing comes nothing or something like this. But yeah. Ausnichts can nichts entspringen. This has such a different feeling and emphasis. Mm. I mean, it really means out of nothing, nothing can leap. You know, and it, that that sense of springing, like jumping out, it just brings so much more depth and richness. And it says something about German culture, you know, because there's this vivacity to German that's just not in. It's not even in Shakespeare, who we admire as being the master of language. And he is right. I don't I, I should figure out what that line is in, in King Lear in English, because that would be instructive and useful. But, um, you know, there are other things in Shakespeare. Get thee glass eyes and like a scurvy politician, pretend to see what thou seest not. I don't know. Maybe in German that sounds really bland and boring. But uh, when you have the, the ability to contrast and compare from something that you've absorbed in depth, then you know more. That's it. That's the basically the thing. You just know more and you know it in a way that you can't even anticipate because you also have, you know, in translation theory, there's uh, what's called phanopoia, logopoia, and melopoia. Melopoia is the sound element of translation that you okay. need to factor in. Phanopoia is the image element that you need to factor in. And then logopoia is basically the semantic logical component. And uh, there, there's more, but those are sort of the three main ones that I think translators noodle over all day long. Right. And so, you know, when you, when you get into, into this, you get all those benefits uh, and you begin yeah. to see deeper and deeper layers. Plus learning a language is not that difficult. Uh, it, it certainly <laughs> takes time and effort, but so does kissing and eating chocolate. So, uh, you know, and, and you get longer term. We're quite get, happy uh, to practice those, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, it's just odd all the things that that we're happy to do that are destroying us as opposed to helping fortify our brains and there's good research that shows that you know people who have at least gotten one other language to a sufficient degree they have something like 32 years of fortification of their brains wow. uh, against things like d dementia and alzheimer's wow wow yeah. that's that's always been one of the scariest elements to me about getting older uh, is that mm. it comes with that possibility to 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 lose my capacity to lose some of my faculties and the like of ooh. but um encircling you know the whole kind of performance aspect I, I remember when i was at the uh the blackpool magic convention it was a good number of years ago 
there was um there was a, a chap came out uh hayashi or hayashi um i think his name was and he didn't bring anything out with him he just came out he, he was a he's, a he's an american fella but he's, he comes from a japanese background so he's i don't know what oh, the right, robes ryan, are called. Hayashi, ryan hayashi thank you uh and he's come out with the, <laughs> the robes on and whatnot and he stood there and, and went um somebody name a language and somebody shouts out French. So he starts communicating in French. Italian, right. somebody starts communicating Italian. And then they go through a number of European languages and he's, ta he's talking with them. And then some guy from the back shouts, Klingon. <laughs> there's, there's this little beat where it, he looks like he's stumped. And then he starts communicating in Klingon <laughs> as well. And it was, it was one of the most brilliant things that I've ever seen. And right, I, right. I, 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 I think, for me, that just particularly struck in terms of that um, that 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 ability to resonate and understand others through the, you know the power of language learning uh, and the like. Yeah, yeah. How, how did how did you choose what what languages to learn, or what's like German? Was it thrust upon you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I basically was luck, chance, fortune, and so forth. But I'd always, I mean, it's weird how life works out sometimes. I had always been very, very interested in German, uh, partly because in Canada at the time, there was the Knowledge Network, one of our few channels when I was a kid, right. and they were always playing World at War. And so we were always hearing German. Then when I was a teenager, there used to be a show on Canadian radio, CBC, called Brave New Waves. And they would always play bands like Einstutzende Neubaten, which is a German band. And uh, so... I got into a lot of uh, that band and Faust and, and similar German bands. And then of course, Rammstein came around at some point and uh, which uh, I first heard in a David Lynch movie, I believe. Anyway, then I just ended up meeting somebody. We ended up getting married and she happened to speak German and, and was from Germany and so forth. So wow. that was just partly accident. But anyway, when she also was very good friends with a couple of the guys from Einstutzende Neubahn, which was weird. So then oh, one day, boy. one day I'm having one of them over for dinner at my house and it's just like mind blown. Wow. wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was, that, that's partly uh, German, but also I just gotten, you know, a research grant there and that was mm. sort of where I really started to get serious about learning it. Uh, Cause it was partly, you know, it wasn't required, but it was a very nice thing if I would, you know, present Absolutely. Uh, Auf Deutsch, which I managed to do. And then uh, with, with Mandarin, uh, it was also just a kind of strange happening where mm. I had done a podcast about Matteo Ricci, who was a, a monk yeah. who went to Beijing and parts of China. And I got an email about that podcast from a school in Guilin, China. And they said, hey, would you consider coming over here to teach? And I thought, yeah, sure. And I thought, I wonder how much Mandarin I can learn in, uh, I had, had less than three months. So I just got busy and got down to it. And strangely at that time, I was having, you know, some, some uh, talks with a, a nice woman who lived in Beijing and I wound up meeting her and uh, uh, anyway, long story short, I sang a song in uh, Mandarin at my wedding and, you know, Brilliant. To this day, it's it's a much different language than than German, and I haven't proceeded through it as swimmingly as with German. But I did manage to pass level three before the lockdown started, and uh, wow. I, I I liked that I went to a course uh, 
and it was neat. I only had one mistake on the on the final exam for level three, and it just it's just such a great thing to have milestones that somebody else puts on you for a while. Because in German, I always had to have my own milestones. Actually, that's not entirely true because I had to uh, complete a course when I was in Germany to get uh, immigration status and mm. um, and to please the Aufland. I think it's Auflander Behörde. It's called the uh, the office there for the uh, Auslander Behörde. Yeah, the uh, for the immigrants, the immigration office. Yeah. So I, you know, checked checked all the boxes in that course, but. Um, other than that, I never had any milestones, but uh, so yeah, f- life brought them to me. And now my Sanskrit project is again, just somebody challenged me. They're, they said, why wouldn't you chant? Why wouldn't you learn, you know, something you can memorize all the Sanskrit you want in the world. And I was just like, well, no, because it's all religious stuff. And then he said, yeah, but you got to read Gary Weber. He, uh, he needed a secular reason to get into all this stuff. And he learned all the Sanskrit. He memorized it also. And then I got interested. And ne- next thing you know, now I'm, I'm not a Sanskritist or anything like that, but I, I've, I've developed a certain familiarity with, with the language and it's just delightful, but it's all by accident. Um, and I guess the thing I would note is that the least interesting one to me is Mandarin. And it's kind of like a family yeah. obligation to at least have a certain level in it. Um, which I think is neat too, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to have that, even if I'm not that interested in it, but I get interested in it. It comes and goes in waves and so forth. But so, so, so it comes in German as well. I mean, sometimes I won't read a book in Germany in German for, uh, for quite some time. And then I get back to it. Uh, but consistency really does matter uh, for sure in all these things. So I don't know. I don't have any, uh, how to choose a language tips, I guess, <laughs> if that's what, if that's what, uh, what we were hoping for but again i would just try no, no. to think you know what's going to be immediately useful and then yeah. whether it's boring or interesting or not just get it done <laughs> see that's 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 if if i was gonna put like um a trailer together for for this i mean i don't <laughs> i don't do i don't do trailers at all but if i was there was um, right, right. A, a particular speech that I, i've played on uh on on the episodes before and it was ironically a Benedict Cumberbatch performance, and but it, it just finished with the stop thinking and just do, and uh, right. that's 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 the kind of aspect that I love about this. You got a language, I want to learn it. Cool, let's go out and explore how how far I can learn it within this area. Do my interests wax or wane? How? Why? Sweet. How does that change it? Let's go and do this, but keep doing, keep doing, and um, yeah. I th- I think that's 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 such a cool thing. Such a cool thing to have. I, ma- I imagine, though, uh, as as an outsider with no kind of uh, knowledge about the topic, that, that Sanskrit details in terms of uh, language learning structures might be a challenge to come by, though. <laughs> it is. And in some ways, it's the most challenging because you don't have anybody to speak it with, uh, or at least... It's not the same thing. I mean, apparently there's a school in the UK that teaches uh, in Sanskrit. So I could find somebody to speak with if I really <laughs> wanted to, but I'm not studying it as a spoken language. I'm studying it as a language in which a particular philosophy was described. So, but that does make it more challenging. And then, you know, it's actually a, a lot closer to Chinese than you would think because it has a lot of sandy rules. In fact, it has more sandy rules than Chinese does. And uh, if people aren't familiar with that, Sandy describes how tones or sounds change depending on where vowels are placed in proximity to certain consonants. So you kind of got to know these rules because it changes how you pronounce things depending on how the consonants go together. 
and it's just very pronounced in in Sanskrit, uh, and it is in Mandarin as well. Like, it, it can be a little bit mind blowing that you have to figure all that stuff out, but it's harder in Sanskrit because there's not many examples that you can just hear and encounter in conversation all the time. Uh, and it's also a little bit more difficult uh, because that script is, I mean, some people think Chinese characters are hard, but I think Sanskrit characters are, are because of the Sandy is just, <laughs> it's, just it's like Cyrillic and Hansa mixed together, <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but that's the, that's part of the beauty of it. That's part of the joy is, is the challenge. The thing that I think would help people is to realize that you need challenge to grow, but you don't need so much challenge that you get frustrated. So you just yeah. got to kind of like find the balance point. Am I being challenged sufficiently so that I can grow? And then, oh, wait, this is frustrating now. Let's scale it back and so on. Because a lot of people just charge in there and they're like, oh, I'm going to master all this in five days. And if it doesn't happen, then they're like, ah, I'm out of here too much. Yeah. No, you just say, what, what's one word I could memorize today? You know, what's one little thing that I could work on? And if you just get 30 things together over 30 days, that's a lot more than most people do in their lifetime, you know, when it comes to a language. So, Absolutely. and then just keep going, stop thinking. And uh, <laughs> likewise with memory techniques, you know, you know, you can't remember, you think, oh, Cumberbund was the name I use, uh, the image I use for that guy, but it's Cumberbatch. So then, you know, you just, you train your mind procedurally to go, okay, so I'm going to get the Cabbage Patch kids in there and then it'll be Cumberbatch yeah. instead of Cumberbund or Cumber, whatever weird things I was coming up there with them for it. Um, <laughs> And you just do it, right? And and that's how you learn to self-correct. And before you know it, you've memorized it correctly, even if you had an error at some point. Brilliant, love it. Um, so, in terms of what you've been good enough to allow the uh, the listeners access to, it was the uh, the victorious mind and more details about how you can get your hands on uh, this will follow um, afterwards. But it, just in terms of what the victorious mind is, could you give us a brief? A brief kind of description, a brief kind of rundown, um, uh, in, in terms of yeah. your book. Absolutely. So, thanks for asking about that. Uh, one of the reasons for writing it is because I noticed that so many people tell me they cannot concentrate long enough to learn memory techniques. So, I wanted to solve this, and or at least help them help themselves yeah. solve that problem. Because I was in that situation too at one point. Now, I just happened to be lucky that I did meditate already. So when I learned memory techniques, and again, it's kind of like backward rationalization, but mm. how, how was it that I was even able to do it? And I think it's because mm. I was a meditator already. Yeah. Uh, I was a broken one, deeply disturbed by depression and so forth, but I still had a little bit of that advantage. Plus I had years of advantage in terms of being a student. I'd gotten to graduate level before this, you know, really hit rock bottom. So I had some concentration and sort of procedural memory abilities yeah. or procedural discipline to show up and get things done. So how could other people benefit from this? And that's part of the book is how can you learn how to do this? And so I talk about all kinds of things that I was just fortunate enough to know, like breathing techniques, uh, relaxation, things I've learned about diet over the years mm -hmm. and not this corny nonsense about don't eat this and don't eat that, but rather how do we test what works for us? 
so that we know which foods make us irritated so that we know which foods make us feel sloggy or you know foggy so that we know which foods make us feel peaceful and then we can we have a shot at actually crafting our mental states through the use of food as a tool rather than just got to eat you know that sort of thing and then paying all kinds of prices that ruin your concentration and your focus and so then once that's out of the way then i say well what are we, how are we going to memorize now? And then I just get deep into the tools and, you know, it's just memory palace, some kind of major system, some kind of alphabet list. So that, you know, when you're thinking about Cumberbatch or whatever it is, it's like, yeah, well, Cabbage Patch Kids aren't quite right, but it's got a strong B and a P in there. So that's going to be better than, you know, a Camaro. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more aligned and, yeah. you know, developing those tools, which essentially comes down to, thinking about it and then adding things like kinesthetic associations, auditory associations, visual associations, emotional associations, conceptual associations, uh, sight and sound, thinking about the sizes of things. Those all really help get it deeper and deeper into the brain. And if you're able to focus, then you're much more likely to be able to remember to do that. And then you're much more likely to be able to remember to do it again. And then the next thing you know, you, you're a memory master. And mastery, by the way, I mean constant practice. So none of this, oh yeah, I'm good to go. No, no, it's like you're in, you're in the gym. And we know from, from science that four times a week minimum really is what you want to practice. But I had a guy today who's in one of my group coaching programs and he said, you know, I don't really have time every day to practice. And I said, well, science says at least four times a week, but here's the thing. There are license plates everywhere in the world. I'm looking now in Ben Cardell's universe here and I see card facts, I think on a bag. So I can yeah. just start to practice with that. What else do I know card facts? Oh, I know Ben Cardell. So, you know, um, you know, and I know facts so I can start to encode there. What would I do with facts? Oh, Faye Dunaway, she starts with F-A. Um, yeah. You know, maybe she's acting with some facts, doing something, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. And so we, we could be doing this all day long. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know my uh, comics that well, but I think you got Deadpool on there. Like I yeah. can, yeah. I can just play around with Deadpool, you know, uh, all day long, you can sit there and just encode. You don't have to memorize it to practice the encoding. Um, and, and that's really important because some people are very slow encoders. Some people are quite fast in decoding things. I'm a bit slower with decoding things, um, but I've managed to speed up with my own practice over the years. Uh, so anyway, that's what the book is about. And obviously um, it's not gonna be for everyone. And it, it was an experiment too, which is, you know, what if I just told the story of how that I got all into this? Because I, over the years, I just basically wrote technical manuals. Yeah. Here's what to do, here's how to do it. And uh, there's no story. There's no, you know, classic attempt to pull you into my world and show you <laughs> the dark night of my soul and like all that sort of stuff. But yeah, in this one, I really pull back the kimono and, um, you know, it works. It works better than the other books. That's for sure. <laughs> in terms of, you know, but if I'm a reader, I kind of skip the story parts myself and it's just like, yeah. where's the, where's the meat, but meat has a problem because often, uh, it's meaningless edutainment, uh, absurdly thriving. <laughs> so, you know, each, each person has to figure that out for themselves. But I, I, I think I've, I've been happy at how, how successful that experiment was. And yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't have done it if, if I hadn't, you know, been a little bit encouraged 
by someone to say, to, to tell me, you know, people are going to read it if you actually put a story in it. So um, away we go there. That's, that's what it is anyway. And in Victoria's mind, that just means that you have the mind that, that you want because it authentically and legitimately has goals and you are crushing them basically um, without deceiving yourself and with radical honesty. And if you don't know what the goal is, you at least have the wherewithal to get somebody who can help you get one because yeah. no shame in that. Absolutely. And I talk about the people that I've, that I sought help from, from the very first page, I talk about my business mentor and, uh, and, and other people who helped me along the way. So. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, moreover than the meat, it was a real honest uh, a, a approach to, to this kind of work, which, which isn't something that's that's seen uh, a lot of the time so much is about you know either, either the spectacle of who you are or and you know and what you do right. and how you do it but i i, I think it, it was uh it was at, at least for me anyway it was a, it was a real different gear to to drive the world of memory in and thank you for allowing us access to it you know sincerely i think it's uh yeah. I think it was a real cool, real cool piece of work. And uh, so, uh, as I say, guys, more more details of that will be following uh, this. But uh, but for now, sir, I just want to I want to thank you sincerely for your time and uh, and for your wisdom that you've been so good as to share with us. If people are looking to um, to get in touch or or at least delve more into your work, how can how can they best do that? Yeah, well, I mean, take advantage of that uh, book, give it a read, and you'll find me. At the The headquarters are magneticmerrymethod.com. And, uh, you know, there's the YouTube and the podcast and so forth. But for um, for just the one link that links them all, <laughs> that's uh, magneticmerrymethod.com. <laughs> one link to rule them all. Love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, we, we hope you've enjoyed this today, guys. Thank you so much for your time and your interest. And I hope you're all keeping safe and well out there, wherever you are, whatever you're up to. And uh, we shall uh, we shall see you next week. All the best. Bye-bye now. Whee! So that, that was the, um, the interview with uh, Anthony Mativier, which you, you very and kindly bro- slept through. Did. I did do that. <laughs> did thing. Yeah, it was uh, the, the time difference concern. He, he's Australia. Well, he's not Australian. He's Canadian, but he lives in Australia. He commutes to the moon. He's just just a remarkable chap. Um, and it, it, he, Superman. He, he is. You should you, you should see him. Um, you should speak to him first, though, just because he oh, is. I, I'm watching him right now. Don't you? <laughs> Look at him. Getting into his get, getting into his car, thinking that I'm not in his house. <laughs> that's that's the new episode of What Room is Adam in this week? <laughs> Turns out it's actually Anthony's bedroom. <laughs> what a, what delightful selection of soaps am I inappropriately using? <laughs> uh, so what what Anthony has very kindly done is he has given us a link to his book. Awesome. Um, for viewers, uh, listeners, um, interpreters, uh, lip readers of this podcast 
to to get on board with and enjoy the delights of. Now, as as he spoke about in the interview, it's not your traditional kind of memory book. There's a lot of his journey um, involved that led him to the uh, you know the creation of some of the methods that he uses to memorize. Um, okay. And he he speaks about um, having. Uh, episodes of aphantasia where he can't really picture things inside of his head uh so it makes that whole mnemonic creation thing a little bit more challenging for him anyway so he's very kindly offered that up to all people that get involved with this uh with this podcast episode uh yeah. and so in in true fashion um if you uh send us an email to uh the podcast email and it's been a while since i've read this out oh sweet irony i don't remember what it is uh it's j hamish watson 221 at outlook.com uh and if you send that in uh as as a request in addition to the summed up discussion of my chapter in the monographs on memory work, what I de- what I talk about, and if you can confirm <laughs> that, we'll send you out the link to the book. Absolutely no. free, absolutely free. Uh, which has just reminded me as well. I think it was in the very first podcast we did, or it might be the second one, uh, where we did the uh, the email password uh, competition, and nobody yeah. no, nobody's guessed it yet. <laughs> <laughs> as as well, and it's it's not a, like a. A random series of complicated letters, the Q, yeah. and then the Batman symbol, and then the Sigma sign. It's, yeah, it, it, it's it, just my, my date of birth <laughs> times your date of birth times the dates of the rise of the Illuminati <laughs> and their forecoming armies of the world. I'm, I'm enveloped in the Illuminati now. Yeah, we are. We've got it on film. We do have it on film. That was the most random text message I think oh, yeah. I've ever received. That makes it sound like life. I'm part of the Illuminati, and that was some sort of like kind of initiation series. <laughs> we had to film you <laughs> accepting invitation into the, the Illuminati. <laughs> Just random intervals when a surprise message comes through. He's in. He's in. Yay! <laughs> He's there. <laughs> um. A- a- anyway, so that's that's the that's the interview. That's the um the chance to get your hands on Anthony's uh, delicious insights. His podcast was actually the first podcast I ever came across to do with memory techniques, uh, which was, uh, which was pretty cool to, to be able all to right. have him on this and uh, shoot yeah. the breeze over all things uh, memorized oh, and such. Was this, then, was this you were listening to before you were doing these techniques yourself or was this when you were getting into them? No, no, this this was um, this was when I've been doing it for a, a good number of years and I, I just started listening to podcasts, you know, okay. I think it was during that time when uh, they had they added the uh, the podcasts app on yeah. uh, on iPhones when they that first started to 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 be to be there like you know like it was sort of built in I don't know what the exact words are, you know, before YouTube you two got on board and ruined it, giving me the music <laughs> YouTube stupid Bono. Um, Bastards. <laughs> oh no! Can't, can't, I love you too. <laughs> I can't stand you too. I can't. I can't. Uh, so it was even more annoying that they were permanently on my phone. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, it was um, one of the first things I I, uh, I I look at. So I'm looking at what Sherlock Holmes podcasts are about. What memory? What? Oh, the Magnetic Memory podcast. Oh, I'll have a I'll have a little listen to that. Um, oh, nice. 
See, I went really gutturally. I'll have a little listen of that. Um, if, if and I did are... a really camp sort of a nice. <laughs> nice. It's a your nice. Best, your best John Richardson impression. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice it was. Very good it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's people people will be listening to this from america going what the fuck are these people talking about <laughs> who sewed these creeps together so yeah in terms of that that was the um that was the interview um you should look out for the return fire uh because i'm going on to anthony's channel uh, and we're going to talk about uh, my uh, my weird kind of memory stunts uh, and whatnot. Um, nice. at this at this point, I start the uh, the the forty eight hour period uh, before <laughs> he uh, remembered. Uh, I I memorized technique video challenge um, that I'm going to do afterwards. Nice. So hopefully that should be there for you guys. Uh, it will be the Tuesday that follows, but you'll probably get the I Memorize series first. <laughs> this will be after. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's weird how uh, time travel works. But with that in mind, I hope you're all having a beautiful day, beautiful, wonderful, glorious day. It's hot as balls out here. <laughs> balls are hot. Balls sure. are hot in the UK. I don't mean anything like anatomical. I mean, like, when you leave a, a leather football outside in the sun, you, you, you pick that up. Outside. I meant anatomical. Oh. Okay. And in so, the same regards as well, leave them outside, but, just sort of like <laughs> the touch you and can, go, ooh. You can, you can take yours off and just unscrew them and put them down again. I can. Oh. You know, I was about to say kids kick them about, but edit that out, please. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> I kick them about because I leave them in the sun too much. Wow. The kicks in. On that note. Uh, Inflation, I meant. I meant the footballs. The footballs. <laughs> stop it! Just, just stop it! Just, just stop it! He snowballed. He's gone. He went over Bye the cliff. Everyone. He Bye. went all the way. <laughs>